Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez, and also with a wonderful guest, actually a returning guest, yes. who we'll introduce in just a couple of minutes. This program is one that we do every Thursday at six o'clock p.m. Eastern time for about a half hour. We do it live on Facebook and YouTube, and that's available on a bunch of replay audio and video outlets. And it is it is an extension of the book that we wrote a few years back called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And this medium allows us to have what amounts to a dialogue with audience members. And what we do a lot of the times is we read your letters and we comment on them. And it's been very, very helpful for people to listen to the stories that others have shared. And it's been very helpful for the people who have written mm -hmm. too. It's very helpful to sort of get the story out of themselves. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. You can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. Mm -hmm. All of the information that I'm sharing in the beginning here is also in the description that's attached to the program. And so you can reference it there. You can also write to us and suggest a guest. You can suggest a topic. If you do write to us with your personal story, please let us know if it's okay to share it. And if, if it's not, we're going to write back to you. And if it is, we're only going to use your first name. And so either way is great with us. And uh, so we'll look forward to perhaps hearing from you. You can support our work in a number of ways through Venmo, through PayPal, through a monthly subscription. That's all in the program description as well. This program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin does a whole bunch of things that are supportive of the human animal companion bond. And one of them is a cost-free pet loss support group that I facilitate once a month. It runs on the second Tuesday of the month from 6 p.m. Eastern time to 7.30 p.m. And you can join for free. There is a link to the RSVP page uh, in the description. And also, I want to let you know that people join from all over the place. We've had people from all, all over the world, the English-speaking world, the not- English speaking world, but they speak English. And so it's been a real interesting sharing of perspectives and experiences. The next meeting is October 10th. And so coming Which up next, next week, week, coming up next week, please do RSVP soon if you're interested in joining because we've had to put a cap on it because we've had so many people with us and we're trying to keep the, the group to around 25 or so. Because it gets a little, it gets a little less helpful for people when it gets bigger than that. Also, please consider subscribing on YouTube if you find this program valuable. Also, clicking the like button because both of those things help other people find the program with greater ease. And finally, we'd like you to know that we have a partnership. Which where is it? Oh, banner is part. I don't know where it went to. Anyway, we have a partnership with a program called Bereave, which offers really beautiful plaques, granite, beautifully engraved plaques for display either outside at a gravesite or inside where you're remembering your animal companion. Mm -hmm. And if you purchase a plaque through our link, 
you are also going to be providing some degree of support to our program as well. And so I'll stop there. And Nancy, do you want to get us started? Well, we have our favorite person, Grant, <laughs> back, um, who is a Canadian author. And he writes a lot. Oh, and there's Nico. We have to introduce Nico, the little sweet pea. Look at, oh, he's such a beautiful little baby. Um, Grant um, it has written many books on people, people and animals and historical animals that have you know made a difference in the world. And he's going to share his new book with us, which is a labor of love for him. And it's about his uh, dog, Freddie. And um, I, Grant, I want you to tell the, I went in and out of my head, the title of the book is, is Freddie Rest, Freddy Rest. Freddy the Rescue Dog Who Thank Rescued you. Me. Thank you. <laughs> I want to make sure I had it right. So, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you so much for putting that up. <laughs> So, My technology um, wasn't working for a moment, but there it is. <laughs> so what Grant is going to share with us. That's is a portrait of him. And that's a portrait of Freddie, right? Exactly. That's a painting, right? It's a beautiful painting. It's really beautiful. He's such a sweetie too. Um, so Grant's going to share some passages yes. from his book. And then we will have some you know, discussion about that. So Grant, please. Would you like me to begin? Yes, yes, please. Yeah, we're having a couple of connectivity issues, so I, yeah. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't sure when you were ending. So here we go. Um, this is from the uh, the intro to the book, um, and it describes uh, taking Freddie up to Glacier Point above Yosemite National Park, above the valley. Um, it's about three thousand feet up in the air. It's a place where my grandparents uh, uh, met and. Um, uh, my my parents uh, uh, spent time there. I spent time there um, as a little boy, and it's a, just a sort of a family, a place of uh, it was like the setting of our family drama. My city bred grandparents uh, went to Yosemite and decided, you know, we can we can give up living in the city. We'll we'll live in the mountains, and that's how I ended up being born near there. And this was uh, about a year after Freddie was, um, after we had adopted Freddie. Yosemite Valley on that warm September day in 2011 was like walking into one of those two perfect tourist calendar shots. The sky was an impossible blue, trees a vivid green, air pure and clear, growing purer the higher we rose. A winding road carved into granite, sometimes so vertiginous as to feel we were going straight up in the air, uncoiled before us. Our rental car, driven by my husband Les, climbed through inky shadows of pine and spruce branches and splashes of bright sunlight up to an almost treeless landscape. From Freddie's predominantly black fur, Freddie being on my lap, the beams picked out the silver, ginger, and even blue that gave his coat what his groomer called a reverse brindle pattern. Parking in the lot at Glacier Point, 3,000 feet above Yosemite Valley, we got out and stood a moment in the bracing breeze. The sweet scent of pine, the gritty, astringent aroma of lots of granite, 
and the almost too pure oxygen at this altitude combine to form an ether, like inhaling some herbal wine, a retsina you could breathe. For me, this was a, a homecoming. I had been born and brought up not far from Yosemite in the Sierra Nevada foothills in the former gold rush town of Mariposa, which had caught my UK-born grandfather's fancy in the 1930s, the hills reminding him of certain parts of Scotland. My father and uncle were the second set of twins known to have been born in Yosemite Park, which had at that time possessed the only up-to-date medical clinic for miles around, capable of dealing with a 32-year-old first-time mother of twins. It was here one starry evening in late summer 1929 that my grandparents had met dancing on the valley floor to the strains of an outdoor orchestra. No wonder he proposed two weeks later. She was a superb dancer. Glacier Point was a favorite destination for my family, starting with the newlywed couple. They loved the old, old hotel, which had burned to the ground in the late 1960s. It was perched on the edge of the cliff, its veranda giving views for miles of mountain ridges and sky. Here, my paternal grandmother, Gertrude, had posed against the backdrop of Half Dome, garbed in an 18th century silk shepherdess skirt with a wide flowered hat and beribboned shepherd's crook for a roaring 20s fancy dress ball. And here, because there is a photograph to prove it, sometime in the late 1920s, she'd also charmed a large brown bear. Calm, cool, and collected in her light summer dress, balanced on the uneven granite surface in her French heels, she fed it a treat while male tourists, their necks hung round with binoculars, stood back visibly afraid. They didn't know how benignly wild things would approach her, from deer in the forest to feral cats in town, without any more fear than she felt toward them. But I knew, and I could almost see her up there with us now, smiling at Freddy as another in a long line of beloved, characterful little dogs stretching back to her earliest known family history. For Freddie, there was nothing familiar about this dramatic terrain. He was, he was electrified, as if we had landed on a planet rich with heretofore unknown canine stimuli. The wind was full of smells, wildlife, and foliage he'd never known in Canada. Squirrels and other small critters crambled over the rocks and up the rough bark of trees. Freddie's brown eyes were bright with interest as he pulled us, halter and leash straining, up the slope to a high point where the hotel and my grandmother had once stood. The granite under our feet, undulant like billowing fabric, yet sharp-edged like knives, glittered in full sun. Les got out the camera, and I placed Freddy securely atop a boulder so that he stood a bit above our heads against the cloudless sky. At Les's urging, and with a tight grip on his leash and halter, I moved Freddy to face various directions, catching different angles of light, he patiently put up with this, looking out at each view with the wind blowing in his silky hair. Okay, that's good, said Les, putting the camera away. I told Freddie, we're done, sweetheart. That's when we heard the applause interspersed with cheers. We realized we were surrounded by tourists representing at least a half dozen different nationalities. Some pointing cameras at Freddie, still sitting pretty on his rock. Others just gazing up at him with smiles. We smiled up at him too, emotion tightening our throats, because a little over a year earlier, this little dog had been trapped in a cul-de-sac of pain. And here he was, literally on top of the world, healthy, well-fed, and loved. The very sight of him, the highlight of the day for these strangers, who had never seen him before, might never see him again, 
but I could believe might not forget him. I could, it would not be for the last time, and indeed, the smiles keep coming, even though Freddie is now as much a lovely ghost as my wildlife charming grandmother. It's beautiful. Really beautiful. Really beautiful. And it's, it's, so, it's so poignant the way that you connect your right. connection to your companion animal, to the, the depth of history in the family and how this is all interwoven. It's very powerful, yeah. very powerful image. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the, there were little dogs in her family going back centuries and um, dogs on my other grandmother's family, horses, um, cats, um, both sides of the family. Uh, my parents both loved dogs. We grew up with dogs um, and pony. And I mean, we had all kinds of, of animals around us. We were encouraged to mourn them when they died. Mm. Uh, we, my, my mother would make little cushions out of some scraps of satin for their coffins. My father would build the little coffins out of wood from mm. his workshop. And yeah. we were encouraged, you know, to, to mourn at their graves. We had a little mm. cemetery in the backyard. Um, I think that's actually healthy. Um, yeah, uh, I, I've, no, I've known other, other families that do this. Um, uh, I once um, knew someone who uh, had a, um, a little uh, fish and uh, she came home to find it wasn't in the tank anymore. And, and apparently it had died and her mother had flushed it down the, yeah. Oh. Yeah. it's like, my mother would never have done that. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Of course. I mean, and the, Cause I remember when I came home once and, and my, my mother met me at the door and my, one of my little sickly guinea pig that I had uh, encouraged my mother to buy from the pet shop um, uh, had died while I was at school. And I was told by the man at the pet shop, you don't want her. She won't live very long. And it's like, that's why I want her. And uh, so my mother met me at the door and she said, Rosie's gone. Mm. And, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, she was there and I could be with her. Mm -hmm. And then we buried her and it was, it was the right way to do right it. To do it. You celebrated their lives, right? Yeah. That were so important to you. Yeah, and I think this is also, I mean, this is what attracted me to Freddie in the first place. He he was the last one of the litter that had been, or the one, the, the group of, of uh, mill dogs that had been seized. All the others had been adopted out. They were all ginger palms. You know, everybody wants one of those. And they were all a little bit more socialized or, or different than he was. He sat in the corner and was scared. Mm. And um, I... Uh, I couldn't imagine leaving him at the shelter, uh, this little dog that was so scared and dark and nobody wanted him. He was very thin. And uh, it was a challenge. I mean, not as much of a challenge as, as bringing Nico back up to the land of the living, but, uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was, it was rough. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it took, even till the day I, there were certain things he was still afraid, afraid of that we couldn't, we couldn't, do anything about he was always going to be afraid of dogs he was always going to be afraid of certain noises um and uh certain certain things certain uh, spaces you couldn't move furniture out with with nico we can move things around as much as we want freddie couldn't couldn't handle that we would leave everything where it was because he would get 
he would get quite frightened if we moved chairs around and put them in different positions. Everything had to be as it was when he first saw it. Um, I mean, imagine what a setting a dog like that came from, right? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. Well, well, Grant, I want to make a couple of comments. One of them is what you just, the example you just told of your family embracing the death of pets mm -hmm. in the way that you described. Uh, we, we've talked, Nancy and I have talked about this before, but it always bears stressing. I think it's, we think it's so healthy Mm -hmm. because it teaches, it teaches love, it teaches gentleness, it teaches mm -hmm. the cycle of life. Life, that respect. We, that we are all going to, yes, we're all going to die. We're all hopefully going to have a brilliant young life and then a full adult life. And then we're going to decline yeah. and then we're going to die. And for children to experience that in an envelope of a loving family is so is so Crucial. helpful and for healthy. the rest of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. The rest of our lives, because yes. we're going to experience yes. loss over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Unfortunately, they don't live as long as we do. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And that's, that's, you know, one of the things I think in, because I use diary entries that I, that I wrote during Freddie's year of battling cancer and heart disease and all kinds of other challenges, um, age, in his last year. And I, I, rem I remember writing, um, you know, that I, I had started praying, which I hadn't done since I was a child, <laughs> but I prayed that, you know, give, uh, I'm offering years of, off my life. If you'll let him live mm -hmm. just to whatever the great universal, um, power, whatever it was, I thought it was addressing, um, Emily Dickinson called it an eclipse, uh, addressed as our father, but um, I, uh, I, 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 I was willing to give up anything if we could have more time with Freddie. Um, and, you know, going outside, looking up at the stars and just like, why, why is this happening to him? Yeah. Why him? Sure. Would you let, just like, is there a reason why you chose an innocent little yeah. animal that never hurt anybody to go through this kind Perfect. of of um, pain and suffering when there are, I can give you a list of human beings <laughs> that I could, you know, I, but, well, the, another I'll be called one of those, those animal, animal loving, cruel animal loving people. But I just, yeah. it's like, really? Are you kidding me? Well, well we, hear that, we hear that so much because a, a lot of times the people that write in have animals that have gotten very ill. And sometimes they die quickly, sometimes it's years, but they always are saying, why? Why are they suffering so much? Why did they, why did they get this disease? And there's no, mystery. there's no answers. That's, 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 the, that's the awesome mystery, right? I mean, that's, but another thing that, that you said that I just really wanted to punctuate is when you have an animal companion, particularly if they're, if they have challenges, health challenges, behavioral challenges, you have, we have to adjust our homes, our expectations, the ways that we interact with them, because they're not machines. We can't mold them to be exactly what we want them to be. We can, we can hopefully train them to be, to, to fit into our families as best they can. But 
we, yeah. we have to do a lot of the things that you described in order to create accommodations that suit us all, that help the family, including yes. the animal companion, yes. function well together. Yes. Yeah, our, our lives change, especially yeah. with animals that have disabilities or illnesses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to, we, this is our commitment to them. We love them. We have, we have to work with that. Well, and my, my life changed uh, as, a, as a writer as well as as a man uh, when Freddie came into our lives because um, he's the one who, he was the, the catalyst for my switching from writing about human lives to writing yeah. about animals, uh, historic animals. Um, and I wouldn't have, that started after 2010, and that wouldn't have happened but for him. He showed me what, uh, what courage a little um, um, terrified, traumatized animal could summon to um, navigate through life and uh, find joy in living despite what he'd been through and also to trust and love yeah, sure. a human again after, after yeah. what, why what's the i mean there are many humans that wouldn't be yeah. willing to take that risk mm -hmm. after what after the way they've been treated so um yeah it was a big a big he he you know people asked me and it's like yeah there were the, the there were things like he saw me through um an unexpected divorce he saw me through um a nervous breakdown, all kinds of things that happened um, in swift succession, including not particularly wanting to survive. I mean, I just felt like there wasn't much that my whole life was had been pulled out from under my feet. But I had Freddie, and I'd made a promise to him. And, and you were going to uh, take care of that little I was boy. Do that. And it, and you know, he showed me well if he could, if he was willing to <laughs> to risk, you know, if he was willing to keep going, then I sure as hell could. Yeah. So powerful. Um, so he, was, yeah. he was a wonderful little. He was a beautiful little little dog. Yeah. So yeah. powerful what you're describing, and we appreciate really, and a lot your of, vulnerability in sharing with us. Yeah. Well, that's what I had to do in order to write this. I had yeah. to be able to share that yeah. stuff, which hasn't been shared with anybody. No, but, and it's, but, been, uh, it's not you know, easy. Counselors and, and, and <laughs> We now, can't do you have tell a, you no, how not. many people we've heard these kinds of stories from yeah. so what you're saying and your book will i'm sure resonate with so many people by the way the book is linked in our description so it should be easily accessible you don't have to even google it you can just go from the link right to amazon and and purchase the book it's beautifully written as you heard it's uh, it's a wonderful book and it it has so much to teach us about healing ourselves i think in addition to in the going through the grief, yeah, right? Going through the well, grief and the of, gifts of we got, yeah, mm -hmm. from from our relationship with that with our animal. You have another passage, yeah. Um, yeah. Grant, yeah. that you and, would and like. To that, yes, I do. I do. I have to put Nico down. Though, so <laughs> oh, Nico! <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Such a cutie. This is this is toward the end. To the end of the book and um it's uh what's well, toward the end of that that um that intro um this book is not about me it's about freddie's extraordinary life about how a dog caught in the vortex of exploitation and abuse was sprung out of prison and made a conscious effort to leave fear behind and welcome his new life with love it's about how he taught me and so many other people who knew him 
what being free and giving love are really about. But in truth, his life is about mine because Freddie gave me reason to continue when mm -hmm. without him, I cannot say I would be writing these words eight years later. Through living for Freddie, I discovered all the other reasons why it was important to continue living for myself. I learned how much one little dog could do, in the words of Emily Bronte, to center both the worlds of heaven and of hell. So beautiful. So beautiful. Your words create such visuals. Yeah. <laughs> They're just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've got just a few minutes left, and I'm wondering if you might share with us some some thoughts or recommendations for people who are listening to this, people who may purchase your, your book as well. Um, I think if you're going to, if you're looking to adopt a dog or cat, whatever, whatever the little animal is you're looking for, or that is looking for you, do, please don't, don't overlook the one that's sitting in the corner. Mm -hmm. That's great. Because that's that's what Freddie was, and it was by not by by bringing home a little dog that nobody else wanted that I've changed my life. Um, yeah. I became who I was supposed to be as as a as a writer and as a person. And um, he's touched I mean touched the lives of so many people. He's helped um, animal charities with donations uh, that have been given in his name. So. Um, he became well, a, little, quite, a little dog or cat in the corner is the one that the one. give the, give them a chance. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Freddie became quite famous, yeah. right? <laughs> Freddie Freddie had quite a following. Yeah, he was very special. He was very special. We have we have a, a comment. Yes. I just want to share this with you. He was a special boy. Uh, Trish writes, "I've just lucked upon this chat." It's something to have this larger heart and being more evolved. Just amazing. So that's Very nice, quite a, quite a, they good. are, they're, they're better than we, they're, what was it? Uh, Emily Dickinson again said, uh, uh, dogs are better than beings because they know, but they do not tell. Ah, ah. <laughs> that's really good. She she wanted she her first her vision of heaven was for her dog Carlo to meet her first. So, I think we all we all I think we all that. get that. <laughs> yeah. So we want to thank you tremendously, Grant, Grant for oh, being with you. us and thank for you. being with us a second time. We've we've had Absolutely. the opportunity to speak with you a couple times. It's Absolutely. always a great pleasure. It's always very moving, and so we thank you. And we want to again just mention that your book is called Freddie, the rescue dog who rescued me. It's, it's pretty much brand new and it's just, it's something that is, I think we all can gain from gain a lot of insight about our own lives, the connections we have wow. with our animal companions mm -hmm. and, and what it means to be whole really yeah. what it means to be whole. Yes, indeed. Truth because you do, be, do become whole after all of that, right? After the gifts, after the, the life together, after what you learn, and then, and also having Freddie's right here, right? So he, is, he, he continues and he continues through Nico. And, and yes. he's, he benefits from what, what he taught us. He's benefiting from what Freddie taught us. So. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Grant. Great. Bye bye. <laughs>